Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for round two of my podcast, Heal. I had some really positive responses from my first episode, and I am eternally grateful for the people who reached out to give me feedback, share my podcast, and for all the support. It means the world to me. Uh, Excuse me if my voice is a little off today. It's been a very long day. My daughter's sick with the flu, so bear with me. Um, My goal is to eventually have guests on my show and hear others share their stories of overcoming adversities. So if you have a story you would like to share, please leave a comment on my podcast, or you can message me directly on Instagram at sonrie173, that's S-O-N-R-I-E-173. So today I want to talk about abuse, mental, emotional, and physical. This is another potentially triggering episode, so if you have experienced abuse before, this may bring up some strong feelings. Just wanted to preface that. It's also not a personal attack on exes. I do not want to demonize anyone. I just want to share my story about the abuse that I've been through and explain how I was able to get through it. So with that said, let's dive in. There are a few relationships in my life that have played a pivotal role. The first relationship I'll discuss, I was 16 and had just broken up with my boyfriend of 11 months. He was a good guy, kind, treated me well, protective, but he also had a dark side. He had traumatic childhood experience and it caused him to become very angry over relatively small things and shut down. Our entire relationship, he never took his anger out on me, but would not want to communicate. Ultimately, I decided without communication, the relationship was not going to work. Two weeks after I broke up with him, he came to my house to talk to me, and my little sister was over visiting. She told him that I had a new boyfriend and told him where I was located. I think she thought it would be funny to mess with him or she was upset with me, but that was the last thing that he needed. I was actually at a girlfriend's house when he showed up. I answered the door and immediately saw on his face that something was wrong. He leaned forward and ripped the necklace he had bought me off of my neck and spit in my face. I remember him saying something, but the words didn't make any sense. I was in shock. He turned around and left, and I stood there for what felt like five minutes. My friend came to see what had happened, and I just broke down crying. That was the first time I had ever experienced this type of abuse. My next relationship would take abuse to a whole other level. In the beginning, things were pretty good, as they often are. We had great chemistry, he made me feel important, and I was strongly attracted to him. He had been kicked out of his mom's house at the start of our relationship and was living with his best friends and their parents. He was popular, outgoing, and could be the life of the party. However, his anger when he drank turned him into a completely different person. The emotional abuse began on Valentine's Day. We were at a get-together, drinking of course, and I ended up having entirely too much, big surprise, and had to throw up. 
When I came out of the bathroom, I couldn't find him. I started checking rooms and walked in on him kissing a friend of mine. I was devastated. We hadn't been dating long, but my ego was extremely fragile, and I had never been in a situation like this. The worst part was that he didn't even seem to care. I went home that night thinking I would never talk to him again. That's the funny part about abuse. You think you would never put up with that kind of behavior, but it's easier said than done. He apologized the next day, said some nice things, and before I knew what was happening, I was right back with him. The physical abuse started with pinching. We were making out at a party one night, and he started pinching me all over. It hurt badly, and I told him to stop, but he didn't. Instead, he smirked, held me down, and continued to pinch me all over my body. Then he would bite me several times, very hard. I'm not sure if I was crying, but I know I was scared. When he stopped, he got up and left, and I couldn't figure out why he would do that to me. The next day, I had bruises all over. The abuse escalated quickly. One time, he chased me around a friend's ping pong table with a beer bong he was trying to choke me with. He had a crazed look in his eyes, and I was actually afraid he might kill me. I ran to his friend's room and started banging on the door. When the door finally opened, I told his friend what was happening and said, help, please, he's going to kill me. I remember him looking down and saying, I'm sorry, Rebecca, and closed the door. I tried to run up the stairs, and he was right behind me like a horror movie. He grabbed my leg, but I kicked him and kept running. I made it out to the garage when he finally caught up to me. He grabbed my hand with my keys in it and squeezed as hard as he could. I heard something crack, and I thought he broke my hand, so I dropped the keys. He picked them up and threw them as far as he could. I was stuck there for the night. This type of scenario became a regular occurrence. We would go to a party, we would get drunk, he would get jealous about something I did, and the fight was on. In all honesty, the cheating was way more painful. He cheated a lot, and everyone he slept with was someone I either knew or was friends with. The back and forth and all of the, I'll never do it again, I'm sorry, I love you, it weighed heavily on me. I was addicted to him no matter how toxic our relationship was. One night in particular, I had a party at my house while my dad was at work. I told a couple of my football buddies that if they saw him pull me in a room and close the door, come help me because he's going to hurt me. They agreed. Lo and behold, I somehow set him off and he grabbed my arm and pulled me into a bedroom closing the door behind me. The moment I started to talk, he turned around, grabbed me by my throat, and held me up against the wall. I'm not sure if that made a sound or if my friends saw him pull me in there, but the next thing I know, they had busted in, grabbed him, and put his head through the drywall. I started screaming because I didn't want them to hurt him. I wanted to protect him even though he was the one hurting me. Another time, I was driving and he was in the passenger seat. We were arguing, and suddenly, my head is hitting the window. He was trying to bash my head against the driver's window, and I was yelling at him to stop. I was afraid I was going to crash the car. I remember confronting him about the abuse and his gaslighting. He said, I never hit you with a closed fist. I started to question everything, 
and wondered if it was me. Was I crazy? Did I deserve this treatment? Maybe I was the problem. I had to get away from him. If I didn't leave Colorado, I would have never left him, except maybe in a body bag. He wasn't the main reason I joined the military, but I think subconsciously he was a factor in my decision. Even after I left, his pull was so strong that I would still see him from time to time when I would come back to visit. Almost 20 years later, he reached out and apologized for how he treated me. I forgave him. I know that alcohol played a huge role in his outburst, and although that is never an excuse for any abuse, I understand that people do make mistakes and that they can change. He is now sober as well. So my son's father was the next real relationship I had. He was kind, giving, funny, and a great listener. That's how we became such good friends and ultimately more. I wasn't initially attracted to him, but over time, I became attracted to his personality and who he was as a person, his big heart. When we started talking, we were on deployment, so I had no idea how bad his drinking problem really was until we got back. I was living in the barracks, which is a lot like a college dorm. One night, he was knocking on my window. When I opened it, he told me to come outside. I came out to talk to him and he was belligerent. He started asking me if I had messed around with this friend of his. I told him that I had, but it was before we were together. He started laughing and then grabbed me by my neck and held me up against the brick wall. Seems like there's a trend here. I was trying to grab his hands, his arms, hoping he would let me go. He did and I ran back to my room. I tried to call the military police, but he had followed me and grabbed the phone out of my hand. He ripped the cord out of the wall and explained in detail how he was going to kill my entire family. I was crying and begging him to stop. This only seemed to make him angrier. He laughed and kept going. He made me believe that if I told anyone, my whole family would be dead. So I didn't. That was the only time he physically put his hands on me, but the mental and emotional abuse were so much worse. When he would drink, he would say horrible things. He would threaten me, cuss at me, talk down to me. Any way he could hurt me with his words, he would do it. He lied constantly, staying out all night, and was a master gaslighter. After coming home several times from work and realizing that he was passed out half the day, While our one-year-old was up getting into things, I left him. I would like to say that stopped the abuse, but unfortunately, it only got worse. We were in different countries at the time, and he was harassing me at all hours. He called my job a few times, completely wasted, threatening me. He left countless nasty voicemails on my home phone and even one on my divorce attorney's phone. She called and said she understood now what I was going through. I considered getting a restraining order, but never followed through. It was almost four years of these drunken rants before my daughter's father came into the picture. One night, we were out on a date, and my son's father called. My daughter's father knew what I had been through with him, so he answered the phone and told him to stop calling. Somehow, the conversation that they had actually worked, and I didn't hear from him for a long time. He saw our son once when he was five, 
and again when he was 10. Now our son is 17, and he has been trying to be a better father for the last few years. He has also been sober for almost two years and is working on having a closer relationship with our son. I would like to say that my daughter's father treated me like a queen, but unfortunately, that was not the case. I clearly had a pattern. I continued to attract men that would put me down because perhaps I felt that's what I deserved. I know the term narcissist gets thrown around quite often these days, but my ex-husband is a textbook narcissist. The emotional abuse was off the chain. I was insecure, my self-esteem was incredibly low, and I had never loved myself or even taken the time to get to know who I was without a man in my life. My entire existence was tied up in making him happy, which, as you probably know, never works. You have to create your own happiness. You can't be someone's everything, and you certainly can't make other people happy, especially if they are actively choosing not to be. He was highly flirtatious, which only aggravated my insecurities, and he knew how to make me feel inadequate. I could never do enough because there was always something else that I wasn't doing right. The more I tried to hold on to him, the harder he pulled away. There were so many incidents of borderline infidelity and inappropriate behavior, from staying out all night with his best friend and two waitresses they met at Hooters, to inappropriate messages I found between him and his boss, or the time I went to his company Christmas party and he introduced me to a friend of his. I remember his friend saying, I didn't know you were married. It was a constant battle to keep him interested. If I did not help him with whatever hustle or business idea he had at the time, he would simply ask another woman to fill that role. I became obsessed with trying to prevent him from cheating and or leaving me. If you ever feel like you have to go through your partner's phone or social media accounts, you probably shouldn't be in that relationship. Relationships are not about controlling or changing anyone else. You need trust and the ability to allow your partner freedom to make their own choices. I played a role in manifesting my greatest fear. I was so afraid he would leave me for someone else and I would be all alone raising three kids. Ultimately, he did leave, found someone else right away, and I was living my nightmare. I had to rebuild my life and discover who I was in order to find healing. I started by listening to podcasts and finding a therapist. I did the work. I practiced affirmations and actively had to choose joy on a daily basis. It was not easy. The first two years were filled with a lot of hurt, anger, and resentment. However, With time and consciously working on my triggers, I was able to heal from that relationship and every relationship before him. I found happiness in myself. I learned who I am and I'm still learning every single day. I want to be a better version of myself and I'm not in competition with anyone else. I am wonderfully and uniquely made and I wouldn't want any other life than the one I have right now. I'm an example of someone who hated themselves and lived in the lowest vibrational frequency of shame and guilt to a person who is now somewhere between living in a frequency of love and joy 
on my way to enlightenment, I can honestly say that this is possible to pull yourself out of the abyss and become the greatest version of yourself. You alone are responsible for your happiness, and we write the script. If you don't like the story, change it. You have the power. It's always been within you. You just have to tap into it. Thank you again for joining me, and I look forward to the next episode of Healing. Have a great day.